0: Do you like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor and being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer that, of course, and that's yes. Of course one enjoys the feeling of power. The newspaper can create great controversies, stir up uh, arguments within the community, discussion, uh, can throw light on injustices, just as it can do the opposite. It can hide things uh, and be a great power for evil. It's not a perfect system, obviously. But you think of a better one. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Medocracy, the podcast that keeps an eye on the news and influence of News Corp, the most influential media company in the Western world. Alright, so normally this podcast is co-hosted by myself and Cam Wilson, but uh, we took some time off during the holidays just to recover, recoup, and re-energize, and Cam's holiday is still going on. In fact, he won't be back for another couple of weeks. So I thought, instead of doing just the standard episodes, you know, just having talking about the big News Corp stories of the week and maybe getting a guest on, I'd take these two weeks that Cam is away to do something that I've been wanting to do for a while, and that is a deep dive on a single subject, that subject being, for this time at least, the history of News Corp. That's right, let's talk about the company that we spent so much time focusing on by actually looking at when it was started, how it was created, and then how it grew to become the monolith, the mega influence, the massive multinational uh, conglomeration, corporation, stakeholder, shareholder... I don't even know, what do you call it? What, uh, you know, is it the great media company that has done so much and innovated so much and created so much in the world of media, new media, etc.? Or is it the source of all evil, the way some people on Twitter, social media, and critics of News Corp will most likely call it? I'm not here to provide judgment, at least on this episode. Instead, I'm going to provide you with a little bit of history. Look, here's the thing, though. The history, uh, it's a lot longer than I thought it would be. My plan was to knock this out in one episode and see what I can do for the next episode. However, in the researching and then the writing, this is going to be a two episode series. So... So this right here is episode 16 of Medocracy, but it is episode one of a two-part history of News Corp special, which I hope you'll enjoy. So if you like this one, do tune in next week for the second part, half well the second half of Newscopes history, and then. Um, Come back the week after next when we will have a return of Cam, Wilson and myself doing a standard normal episode of Modocracy, which I hope you will very much keep enjoying. So before we look at what's in the public realm, I want to take a look at the mythology that Newscorp creates for itself. So I headed over to the Newscorp website, which is newscorp.com. Not.com.au.com. Um And on the News Corp website, there is a section, the About Us section, which has a company bio. And I'm quoting here, What started as a small newspaper in Australia in the 1920s has grown to comprise some of the world's most iconic brands in media and information, thanks to the leadership, creativity and curiosity of Rupert Murdoch and his father, Sir Keith Murdoch. Curiosity is definitely the noun that sticks out over there. So according to the timeline on the website, it all begins in 1785 in London. Which is weird, because as we'll find out in a bit, News Corp was originally founded in 1980... As a holding company for News Limited, which is where the Murdoch story begins, except News Limited wasn't created in 1785 either, but in 1923, and not in London, but in Adelaide. And as we all well know, nothing good ever comes out of Adelaide. But that's a story for another time. So, okay, look, let's look at the website history again. Well, it starts in 1785, right? In London, where the Daily Universal Register, a London newspaper with an ambitious name, is launched. That newspaper is renamed to The Times, a name the paper still carries today. From 1785, we jump to 1801, where there's a portrait on the website of a bastard orphan son of a whore and a Scotsman. Yes, that's right, I'm talking about US President Alexander Hamilton, who looks nothing like Lynn manuel Miranda in the painting. See, in 1801, the erstwhile president started a newspaper called New York Post. Three years later, he was killed in a duel by his vice president, a custom America really isn't too far away from bringing back. Next stop is 1817, on the website, with the establishment of J&J Harper Printers, which is now called the publisher HarperCollins. We then take a brief detour into the history of HarperCollins and how it published affordable editions of Shakespeare and the Pilgrim's Progress. There's further focus on the printing press, with the Times using a new type of printing technology called the Walter Press in 1868. 1889 is the creation of the Wall Street Journal, where today you can find several articles about teenagers who bought their own homes with nothing but hard work, moxie and a giant inheritance from their millionaire parents. The bio goes on in this fashion for a little longer, making stops along the way to highlight major moments in printing and publication until finally in nineteen twenty one we have keith murdoch father of rupert murdoch becoming chief editor of a medium-sized newspaper the melbourne herald the website states he will eventually expand the herald group's business holdings to include the news limited company of australian newspapers which is a lovely bit of understatement. It's very much like saying Archduke Franz Ferdinand stopped to get a sandwich and then a few years later, Lenin moved into a house in Moscow. The website doesn't then dwell on Keith Murdoch, instead rushing back to the further adventures of HarperCollins, the creation of everyone's favourite serif font, New Roman, uh, by The Times. That's right, I bet you didn't know that, that The Times newspaper created The Times New Roman font, and the editorial leadership of the New York Post. Rupert Murdoch makes his first appearance on the website in 1953, when we're informed of his inheriting his father's interest in the Adelaide-based The News, of which he became publisher, and joins the board of News Limited. The picture here, though, isn't of Rupert Murdoch, who would have just been 22 years old at the time. Instead, it's of a front page of The News... The Adelaide newspaper featuring a photo of Rupert Max Stewart, an Aboriginal man who was convicted of murder in 1959. Now, the story of Max Stewart and Rupert Murdoch's involvement isn't detailed here on the website at all, but it's worth a quick detour. See, Murdoch was at the time against the death penalty. Under Rohan Rivett's editorial stewardship, the news published explosive details about the case that often contradicted the findings of the Adelaide Judiciary and even led to some appeals. Murdoch even bankrolled the search for Stewart's co-workers, and Murdoch even personally wrote editorials demanding the sentence be commuted and the death sentence no longer applied. Even a Royal Commission into the case was attacked by the papers, so vehemently that the commissioner launched a libel case against Rupert Murdoch and his editor, Rohan Rivet. In the end, Max Stewart's case was commuted to a life imprisonment of which he served 11 years. He went on to become a respected elder and even met the Queen in Alice Springs once. Despite the libel case not finding fault, Rupert Murdoch did fire Rohan Rivet, who had been the editor since 1951. Since then, Murdoch is quoted as saying, “There's no doubt that Stewart didn’t get a totally fair trial, although it's probable that he was guilty. I thought this at the time. In those days, although less so now, I was very much against the death penalty. It's just interesting that that’s the photo they went with of the first time Rupert Murdoch probably fully understood the power of the news. From there on, there's various entries about the various jewels in the News Corp crown, the most recent being in 2021, where it says, and I'm quoting here from the website, News Corp and Facebook reach a multi-year agreement to provide access to trusted news and information to millions of Facebook users in Australia through its Facebook news product. It seems that despite the hyperbole that News Corp publications excel at, the website itself is a master at understatement. Before we get into the stuff that the biography of News Corp on its own website leaves out, it's worth considering what it's put in. See, News Corp is a young company. News Limited, the original version, dates back to the 1920s, but that's not that long ago either. But by beginning its story not with its own creation, but the creation of entities it's purchased, like The Times and New York Post and HarperCollins, it can link itself to the older traditions of publishing and news, of printing presses and innovation, and championing voices and creating history. In buying these businesses, Newscope didn't just buy diverse interests, it bought itself a historical story, a myth that it can sell. So behind the myth then, what is the reality? Well, see, the reality is that News Limited was created in 1922 by James Edward Davidson, a journalist and former editor of the Melbourne Herald. The story goes that Davidson was travelling on the Melbourne Adelaide steam train when he sat next to an old friend, a miner, M-I-N-E-R, not M-I-N-O-R, named Gerald Musson. On that journey in 1921, Davidson and Musson came up with the idea of a new afternoon paper, the Adelaide News, and for it to be owned by a company called News Limited. If you listen to the first episode of Murdocracy, of this podcast, we interviewed University of Melbourne Professor of Political Science, Sally Young, who has published an excellent article on The Conversation titled, The Secret History of News Corp, A Media Empire Built on Spreading Propaganda. Her research basically shows how it wasn't a coincidence there was a mining industry professional involved in the birth of News Limited. See, Gerald Musson was a PR man who worked for an industrial complex called Collins House, which dominated the mining and manufacturing industry then and has gone on to create Rio Tinto, Carlton & United Breweries, Dunlop Rubber and Durex among other major companies. But Collins House was first and foremost a mining company itself, or at least mining was the major source of its wealth. And with Collins House's guidance, James Edward Davidson had previously bought and run two newspapers in Broken Hill and Port Peary, which had served as counterpoints to the mining unions there. Basically, they were set up to break up union influence on the minds. In fact, the first shareholders list of News Limited featured many key people from Collins House. I'm skimming over a lot of detail here. So do read Sally Young's excellent article on The Conversation or buy her excellent book, Paper Emperors, The Rise of Australia's Newspaper Empires, which goes into a lot of this in great detail and depth. So about the same time that News Limited is being set up, a 36-year-old Keith Murdoch had returned from London to be appointed as editor and then managing editor of the Herald Empire. Seven years later, he purchased a share in the Brisbane Daily Mail as well as the competing Courier then amalgamated the two newspapers into today's Courier Mail. By 1929, Jim Davidson, however, had been pushed out of his control over News Limited, rumours being due to his increased alcoholism. He died a year later of pneumonia in a London hotel room. By this time, Keith Murdoch had been invited to hold 2,700 shares in The News, the Adelaide newspaper, by the immensely wealthy businessman, politician, and father figure to Keith, William Bilyeu. By the way, Bailieu also happened to be the head of Collins House, that place which helped set up the newspapers used to bust up the unions and behind the scenes owned and ran News Limited. That same year, News Limited managed to take over the venerable and profitable Adelaide advertiser, thus creating a monopoly in Adelaide. And two years later, William Bailieu sold 31,000 shares of his own to Keith in a show of remarkable generosity. By the time Keith Murdoch died in 1952, he had enough of a stake in News Limited to leave his only son Rupert with the beginnings of a media empire. Which is where this story will end today. Come back next week for episode 2 of uh, The History of News Corp. It's uh, just a two-part series that I'm doing, as I told you. And of course, you can always join us on our Murdocracy Facebook page, where more of these conversations can continue. I'll post up all the article and research and links to all the stuff that I've been able to use to to create this two-part series. You can also tweet us at us, of course, on Murdocracy. Uh, We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. I'm sure eventually, given Cam's tendencies, we're going to probably end up on TikTok as well, although I still think I'm way too old for that platform please love please leave us your feedback we love hearing from you and head over to our patreon that's patreon.com murdocracy to support the podcast we've already gotten some lovely patrons who are helping us pay our bills and research money for this show and any other support you send our way will be much appreciated Otherwise, join me back here next week for part two of the history of News Corp. I need a better name for this. I need to catch your name for it. I'll come up with one by, tomorrow, by next week, I'm sure. And then a week after that, the return of Cameron Wilson. I'm Sammy Shah. Thank you very much and take care.